Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to us this morning as your commands are our delight. And so we ask that your Spirit would come amongst us and that we would delight in your commands even more. Even when we're troubled and distressed, oh Lord, we pray that your commands would be what we rejoice in and we would love to follow your ways. And so help us as we look at your ways this morning and what you would have us do. Lord, we pray that they would be a delight for us to hear about and then do for the rest of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we resume our series in the book of Colossians. We're coming to the end now. We're in chapter 4 and we're moving through it. And I think probably we've only got about one more sermon left on it. After my break last week, we are resuming it again. Uh, and Colossians has been a, a book that has been quite helpful, I think, to us during the COVID situation, uh, that has given us much encouragement uh, from the Lord as to how we can rejoice even in the midst of troubled times, uh, even in the midst of lockdowns. We can have much to rejoice in, in the faith and hope and love that we have through Jesus Christ. And as I've said before, the book of Colossians is a very good uh, antidote to the false teachings that come along in the world. And that's part of the reason the book of Colossians was written. The Apostle Paul was counteracting heretical teachers who'd been teaching about uh, the importance of worship of angels rather than the Lord Jesus Christ and looking to uh, these false teachings as a way to live rather than living in Christ's footsteps, that Christ is the one who has cancelled the written code. Christ is the one who has forgiven us of our sins. And so we are to live according to Christ's ways, not according to the ways of the world and false teachers. And so we've been looking at the teachers... uh, the teachings of the Apostle Paul and particularly his commands that come. This is a pattern that's throughout Scripture is that God acts and then we act. Because Christ has saved us, then we are to live a particular way. And that's what we've been exploring, particularly in chapters 3 and 4. And in chapter 4, the, since verse 2, we've been looking at the subject of prayer and particularly how we are to witness to those outside the church, how we are to take the gospel to others. And the Apostle Paul has placed important emphasis upon the need for prayer as we explain the Gospels to others. And we saw that in verse 3. If you've got your Bibles there, open them up to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, we saw that we're meant to pray that a door would be open for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which uh, Paul was in chains at the time. And in verse 4 it says, Pray that we proclaim it clearly as we should. We should, like the Apostle Paul, proclaim the message of Christ clearly. And then last time we looked at verse 5 where it says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. And so I talked about the importance of buying opportunities, of taking the opportunities that come along to, uh, to share the good news of Jesus Christ when an, out, uh, an outsider makes uh, a move in the right direction, that we should take the bargains that come along. And this morning I want to look at, in verse 6, how we are to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, how we are to speak to outsiders, particularly when I say how, I mean the manner by which we are to speak the gospel. What is the manner by which we are to speak the gospel? That Jesus Christ has come and died for sinners. Well, verse 6 tells us, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What is the manner by which we present the gospel to outsiders? Well, it's with grace that we are supposed to speak the gospel to those who are outside the church. What is grace? 
Well, there's different definitions that are often given in Sunday school lessons, but one of them is that it is getting what we don't deserve. When someone is gracious to you, they give you something that you don't deserve. Something good is given to you. You don't earn grace. It is simply given to you, whatever is given to you that is good. So what does it then mean to be gracious in our speech? If you are gracious in the way that you talk to someone, what does that look like? Well, one way that we see in the New Testament that gracious speech is commanded is by a spirit of gentleness that is given when we speak to others about Christ. And that is given to us in that classic text, whenever you think about uh, talking to unbelievers, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 speaks of this so well, and it's often quoted, particularly in books on apologetics. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, uh, the Apostle Peter says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So you're always meant to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You're meant to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but how are you meant to do it? What is the manner by which you're meant to speak the gospel? With gentleness. You're meant to speak with gentleness to those who are outside the church, and that is graciousness. Graciousness is gentleness, being gentle in the way that you speak to others. But there's another way that we can understand what it means to be gracious, gracious in our speech, another way that is given in the New Testament, and that is by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. He tells us there to speak the truth. In chapter 4, verse 15 of Ephesians, we're told to speak the truth in love. We're to speak the truth in love. And that is an example of gracious speech as well, loving speech. When we speak to someone lovingly, we're speaking to them graciously. But what does it mean to show love to someone? What does it mean to show love? What is love? Well, the Apostle Paul defines that in 1 Corinthians 13 for us. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, that famous passage that you hear at pretty much every Christian wedding, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails." You want to know how you're to speak to outsiders is to speak with grace and what is grace well peter says it's gentleness and paul says it's loving that is what it means to speak with grace and that's what we're commanded to do here let your conversation be always full of grace and i think it's primarily to outsiders here because that's what's been spoken of in the previous verses about our witnessing efforts but of course we should be speaking in all our conversations with grace why should we do that, though? We're commanded here, and that should be good enough, but why would God want us to be gracious in the way that we speak to others? Why would he see the need here through the Apostle Paul to command the Colossian Christians to speak with grace and to command us today to speak with grace? Well, it's because often we are ungracious in our speech with unbelievers. How so? Well, we're often impatient 
for the conversation to be over and to move on to the next unbeliever. You see this with some people in their witnessing efforts. They, it's like every, every unbeliever is a notch in their belt, and so they speak to one and then they speak to the next one, and they, they're impatient for the conversation to move on rather than being patient in the way that they speak to someone. We see that people are unkind in the way that they speak to unbelievers. We saw that love is kind, but so often our speech is unkind. We don't allow the other person to speak. We just talk, 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 talk. We want to be the one that's in charge. And we can even totally misunderstand their argument because we never actually let them have their voice. And so we're arguing against a straw man that they do not actually hold to, and that's very frustrating to the person. And it's unkind. It's not graceful. We can be proud in the way that we speak to unbelievers. One of the examples of this is what we don't admit when we don't know something. When you speak to an unbeliever, they can raise all kinds of things. They can raise scientific objections that you have very little knowledge about. What keeps you from saying, I don't know the answer to that? It's pride. It's a lack of grace. Whereas if you are graceful, you will say, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. And so often we are rude in the way that we speak to unbelievers. We interrupt. We speak over the top of them. Hold up our hand. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm the one that's in charge here of the conversation. And that's not gracious. We're self-seeking. Remember what we heard, that love is not self-seeking. But so often in our conversations with unbelievers, we are self-seeking. We try to win the argument. For God? No, for ourselves. The easiest way you can see this is when an unbeliever is backed into a corner. You know you've got them that they've got no argument against you. And what do you do? You keep pushing. Push, 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 push. They're in the corner and you think, I'm going to keep going because it makes me look good. And what happens? Their back comes up and they, their pride gets involved and they refuse to listen to anything you have to say because you were self-seeking and not gracious in your conversation. Ungracious conversation can also be easily angered. We saw that. that love is not easily angered, but so often we are easily angered in our speech with unbelievers. Our voice gets raised, our pitch changes, we get a hot face, and we're easily offended and get sullen with the person. But that's not how we are to speak to others. We're meant to be gracious. And another way that we see that we're ungracious is we almost delight in evil by mocking the other person in their position. We almost like the fact that they hold to a position that is so easily overrun. And so we mock them for it. We delight in the evil that they hold to. And we don't rejoice in the truth. When we speak to unbelievers so often, we're almost scared to talk to them. And there's not a joy there. Whereas we saw that love rejoices in the truth. In your conversations with unbelievers, do you rejoice in the truth? Is it obvious to them that it is a joy for you to speak about the Lord Jesus and what he has done for you? So we need this command from God. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Why? Because so often we're ungracious in our conversation with others. We're not gentle and we're certainly not loving in the way that love is defined for us in 1 Corinthians 13. But there's another reason why we need to be gracious in our speech. And I think it's given to us in the text by a marvellous illustration. I really like the illustration this morning that is given to us in the text. And that is in verse 6 there. Verse 6, what does it say? Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer 
everyone. I think this conversation, uh, this, this text here, this illustration that's given to us about salt, helps us to understand why we need to have grace in our conversations. Grace is like salt that is applied to the truth, which is the meal, which is the gospel truth. And it helps us to understand why we need to include grace when we have this illustration before us. Why is that? Because good news will often be rejected if we don't speak graciously. Good news will often be rejected if we do not speak graciously. How's salt a helpful illustration to prove that? Well, salt in a meal helps make the meal more pleasant to taste. It helps make the meal more pleasant. Salt has a number of different functions, and one is to make it taste better. The other, um, other one that's often cited is the fact that salt prevents decay. Salt prevents decay. And, uh, and this is in the Bible and in other areas where it talks about salt, and we look at how we are the salt of the world as Christians and how we prevent the decay of the world, uh, and we understand that salt was used in the past with meat. We have refrigeration today, so we don't have to worry about so much, but in the past you'd put salt on your meat so that it would absorb the moisture and prevent bacteria from growing. But I don't think that's what's being taught in this particular text when it comes to grace in our conversation. I think it's more about taste. Now, why do I say that? Well, the verse says it. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Not preserved with salt, but seasoned with salt. And so I think the emphasis here is on the fact that if you speak graciously to unbelievers, the gospel is more pleasant for them to hear and hopefully digested more easily by them. We understand this when it comes to putting salt on food. Think of potato chips. That's the most common one that I could think of that most people pretty much across the board need salt on. And I say need. If they have chips without salt, pretty much they don't want to eat them. And that's hot chips from McDonald's and it's cold chips in a packet of crisps. That's a very American way to call it, isn't it? Crisps. But that's we, we expect salt to be in there with the chips. Otherwise, we won't really want to eat the chips at all. We understand that they're almost inedible without salt. And so it is with us in our conversations with unbelievers. The gospel truth without grace is almost inedible to unbelievers. And we see this in all conversations without grace. Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs is a wonderful book to look at speech and how we are to speak to others, but Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, which was read for us before, says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word that is an appropriate word, maybe a true word, but if it's spoken harshly and rudely, what does it do? It stirs up anger. You can speak the gospel truth in a harsh way that stirs up anger. Now, the gospel truth is still essentially good, but it's the harsh word by which you speak it that stirs up anger in the unbeliever. And they do not digest the gospel message because of the harsh word that you have spoken. I mean, who wants to converse with an impatient, unkind, proud, rude, self-seeking, easily angered, depressed person about even something as exciting as the gospel? Do you want to talk to anybody who is in that state. Whereas we're happy to talk about fluff with a loving, patient, kind, humble, gentle, joyful person. We'll talk to them about anything. When I say fluff, I mean little bits of fluff that float around in the air. We had a child in our house 
who used to come up and go, Mummy, Mummy, Mummy. And you go, what, what? Fluff. And they would give you this tiny little bit of fluff that they had found. And we would, we would delight in it, even though if an adult came and did that, you'd be like, go away, I don't want to talk to you. But this child comes with such joy and a gentleness and speaks with such graciousness about fluff that you're actually interested in the piece of fluff that they have and you take it from them and say, I'll look after that for you. We understand that gracious speech helps the message be digested by the person that we're speaking to. Do we realise at Dremoyne Baptist Church the damage that we do when we evangelise unbelievers ungraciously? Ungracious speech may put off unbelievers from eating the bread of life. Jesus, the bread of life, we offer it to people. But if we present it without salt, without grace, they are put off from eating it and having eternal life from digesting that bread of life, which is Jesus Christ. They will not even attempt to swallow the good news of Jesus Christ if we are ungracious and keep salt out of the meal altogether. And ungracious speech may not just put someone off in that conversation from the gospel message. Do you understand that if you do not include salt in your evangelism, you may put someone off for life from the gospel message? You offer a child chips without salt, and they do not like them. Do you think that tomorrow you'll be able to give the same child chips, even with salt? If you know anything about children, no, you will not. That child will refuse to eat chips ever again. You may get it at some point, but you'll have to wait a very long time. If a child doesn't like to eat something, they're put off usually for life. Think of foods that you rejected when you were a kid. It took you to your 20s, maybe 30s, maybe 40s to ever try them again. And it's the same with unbelievers. An unbeliever can refuse to hear the gospel message for the rest of their life because some Christian got really angry at them when they presented the gospel and spoke ungraciously to them, served the meal without salt, and they refuse to hear anything about Jesus Christ for the rest of their life like a stubborn child who refuses to taste that food ever again because the first time they tasted it, it was without salt. Do we realise the damage that we do when we present the gospel without salt, when we do not speak graciously. So hopefully you do this morning. You see this command here, to always let your conversation be full of grace. And you want to be more gracious in your conversations with unbelievers. You want to salt your conversation so the gospel tastes yummy to the unbeliever and so that they live for eternity in heaven with us. And you want to do what Paul commands in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. But you're saying, I want it. I want to have conversations full of grace. But how do I do it, Joel? How do I be more gracious in my speech? I've seen so many times in my conversations with unbelievers that I, I do get angry. I do get worked up. I'm rude in the way that I present the gospel. How do I have more grace in my conversations, Joel? Well, what tips do I have for you this morning to put more salt in your conversations? Well, firstly, let us all get lots of salt for ourselves firstly. 
Let's make sure we are all taking in lots of salt, lots of grace. Now, what is the source of grace? Well, it's God himself. How did Paul open his letter? Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. To the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from, where's the source of grace? From God our Father. From God our Father. Verse 6. All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Why are you impatient, unkind, proud, rude, self-seeking, easily angered with sinful people? Why are your conversations lacking in grace? Is it because you're actually an unbeliever? You're not actually a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're outside God's grace. You're not part of his covenant of salt. So, of course, you don't have salt in your conversations with others because you don't understand the salt that has been applied to believers. You've never confessed your lack of love and experienced God's grace to you. So, of course, you can't be gracious because you're not conscious of your own need for grace from God. If that is you, friend, I encourage you now. Come, confess your sin. Ask for forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Ask God to be gracious to you to cover over your sins with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Eat the bread of life now by believing in Jesus' death for you and have that eternal life that he promises to those who eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus Christ. I try to say this to you now as graciously as I can. Eat the bread of life. Eat Jesus Christ and then you'll be able to ask God for grace as you speak to others, even ill-tempered others, people who are rude to you. You can be gracious to them. Why? Because you understand how much grace God has applied to you. And so his grace just flows on out. His salt continues to be poured into you, and then you shake it out on the conversations that you have with others. You find that by God's gracious spirit that his grace is sufficient for you and for others. And if you are a believer, keep on studying the Spirit's gracious speech in the Scriptures and you will start to sound like him. How so? Well, think of it. If you are raised in a family with parents who serve food high in salt, what happens? Well, you develop a taste for high salt food, high, food with high content of salt in it. You, you ta- have that taste for it, so you naturally go for salty foods because you've been around it for so long in your early years. And it's the same with God's gracious food that he serves to us. His speech, if we eat a lot of God's gracious speech, his salty food, then we will be gracious without even thinking of it. We will desire it. When conversations lack salt, when conversations lack grace, we'll find them tasteless. And we'll either turn away from someone who's losing their cool, and we're starting to lose our cool from it as well. We'll turn away altogether as a tasteless conversation, 
Or, hopefully, what we do is we inject much grace into the conversation because we're just so used to the gracious speech of God. And when we have conversations that are gracious, what will we do? We'll enjoy them because we're so used to reading the gracious word of God that when we have gracious conversation with others, we'll enjoy them. Just like when you finally get the salty food that you love, you enjoy it. This is a good meal. And that conversation with the unbeliever becomes one you rejoice in. So first thing we need to do if you want to be gracious in your conversation is get lots of salt into your life. And you get that, the grace of God is where you get it. You get it from God himself. Second thing you can do is always include salt in conversations. And this is there for us in the text. Verse 6 says, Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Every time I have potato chips, they must have salt. I never go to McDonald's and say, look, today I'm not having salt on my fries. Every time I go, I want fries with salt. It's not a case of some days I'm going to go without them. It's every time I have the chips, I want salt. And it should be with us, with conversations. Every conversation we have should have grace in it. It should have salt in it. We don't have some conversations with grace and some conversations without grace. It should be that gracious speech is with everyone, with your next-door neighbour, with your sister, with your children, if you have children. It's not like you are gracious to people outside the home, but inside the home you are ungracious. No, it's always full of grace. Every conversation is meant to have salt in it. And every topic. It doesn't matter whether you're speaking about Christ's death or predestination. Some people are very gracious. They have lots of salt in their conversation when they speak about the death of Christ. But when it comes to predestination, oh, all rules are out. And we can get angry. We can get rude. We can call the other person names. Grace is not required in such conversations. No, it is. It says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Think of the potato chips. You expect salt on every bag of potato chips you get. Not some without, some with. Same with conversations. doesn't matter who you're talking to. Whether it be a child or an adult, whether it be a friend or an enemy, you're meant to be gracious. And it doesn't matter what you're talking about, you're meant to be gracious. And when it says always there, I think it doesn't just mean every conversation, it means throughout the conversation as well. Think of a bucket of chips is given to you. What happens sometimes? They put the salt on the top few chips and there's nothing at the bottom. And it's an awful experience. I recently asked one of our children to go and get some salt because there wasn't enough on the fries that we had. They came back with three packets from the McDonald's worker. And I went away and came back and they dumped three packets all on the top of the the bag of fries. Oh, oh. Worst nightmare. Like, what do you have to do? You have to open up the bag, you have to spread them all out, you have to try and you know, push as much salt as you can off to the side. Just awful. You want salt throughout all the bag of chips. And it's the same with our conversations. It says always full of grace. Not just each conversation must have some grace in it. Throughout the conversation you must have grace in it. 
You can't say, oh, I had such a good chat with Bob next door the other day. I only got angry at the beginning of the conversation. After that, it was all good. I only got angry once. No, you're meant to be gracious through it. All. Don't be rude in different parts and not rude in the others and think that was a good conversation. No, it's throughout the conversation. Just like salt is meant to be evenly spread throughout the whole bag of chips, so we want conversation to be spread evenly, uh, a grace to be spread evenly throughout our whole conversation with someone. So tips on salting your conversations. Get lots of salt from God. Always include salt in your conversations. And then thirdly and lastly, what else should we do? We'll vary the salt content according to the person. And this is in the text as well. Look at verse 6. It says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is why I think this is talking about evangelism here, talking to unbelievers, about answering other people as they come to you and ask you about the gospel. You're meant to be able to answer everyone. And literally, a better translation from the Greek would be to answer each person, each person. And that's where the salt idea helps out again with us, to try and understand this. Not everyone likes the same amount of salt content in their meal. I feel for chefs in restaurants, really do. How are they meant to make a meal that everybody likes? Because some people love a lot of salt, some people don't like so much salt. Particularly when it comes to chicken or steak, some people love to douse their meat in salt. I know one pastor here in Sydney who says you can never have enough salt on steak. Some people think that you can have enough salt on steak. And so the Christian needs to be able to work out what amount of salt should I give to this person and what amount of salt should I give to that person. Why? Because some people can't handle too much salt, too much grace in the conversation. They actually think you're coming across as condescending by the way that you speak. You have so much salt, so much grace in the conversation that you don't even have much meat left anymore. And it's like you're serving up a plate of salt. You're just simply too polite. That's all they come across, away from the conversation with. That person is so polite. We didn't really talk about much. They were, just, they were just lovely to talk to. But I don't really remember what we spoke about. It's like you serve them up a whole plate of salt. And you have to then work out, is this a person that I should not be giving so much salt to. Some people will actually require less salt in the conversation. Some people even will welcome a rebuke without much grace in it. They want to be shaped by what you have to say. And you can be firm with them in a conversation and don't need to show them much grace. You've got to work out, is this a person who requires less salt Otherwise, you come across as condescending. But then the opposite extreme is, as you're evaluating people, is some people require a lot of salt. A lot of salt. A lot of grace when you speak to them. They're not gracious to you. They're unloving, harsh, and disrespectful. They're deeply entrenched in their non-Christian worldview. What do you do? Do you turn away from them altogether? No. You insert lots and lots of salt into the conversation. Lots and lots of grace towards the person. You've got to be especially gracious to them. Let them do a lot of the talking. Just let them go for it. Be quiet. Just let them go. Show lots of grace to them. Put in what you can, when you can. 
But you've got to just be gracious to them. You've got to give them a lot of slack. And that's what we need to do. We need to work out, is this a person who needs less salt? Is this a person who needs a lot of salt? What amount of grace do I need to insert into this conversation? And this is what elders really should exemplify. This is the the beauty of elders in a church. Hopefully, by the grace of God, by the salt of God given to them, they're able to work out how to evaluate each person. Yes, we teach the same truths, but we've worked out which person needs to hear them with this amount of grace and which person needs to hear them without so much grace. We teach the same thing, but we're more gracious towards some. So are you doing this? Are you committing that awful crime of serving chips without salt? of serving conversations to unbelievers without grace. A McDonald's employee should be fired, in my opinion, when they forget to put salt on the fries. They shouldn't have a job anymore. And it should be the same for the Christian, shouldn't it? When the Christian goes out and shares the good news of Jesus Christ without salt, God should fire us for being so horrible to his message of presenting it without grace, without salt. But thankfully, God is far more gracious than the manager at the McDonald's restaurant. And he allows us to pick ourselves up again and go back out and share the good news of Jesus Christ and try again, but this time to serve it with salt. We should not presume upon God's grace. We should be working at sharing the good news with grace as much as we can. Are you doing that? Or are you presuming God's grace and saying, oh, it doesn't matter how I present the gospel as long as I get it out there? No, it does. Are you trying to be patient, kind, humble and joyful in your conversations with others? Are you immersing yourself in the Spirit's gracious words, the words of God which are so gracious? Are you immersing yourself in them so that you have a taste for gracious speech, so that you find Speech without grace to be tasteless and you automatically add salt into such conversations. Are you consciously seeking always to include grace throughout every conversation? Every conversation with whoever it is and throughout the conversation. Are you doing that? And are you wisely assessing people to know how much grace to include? Or do you have a little formula of how you present the gospel and you present it to that person and that person and that person and that person and it doesn't matter who you present it to, you're just hammering it out. Are you wisely assessing each person so that it tastes good to each person as you administer the gospel, the bread of life to them? We have a gracious message. It is a message of grace that God has given us. Let us speak it with joyful grace. So it's joyfully eaten by unbelievers and digested so that they have eternal life with us. Let us speak to our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God of all grace, the one who always speaks graciously to your children. Lord, we ask that we would immerse ourselves in your grace so that our conversations are always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone, how to answer each one. 
so that unbelievers are saved and believers are built up in the faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.